You're listening to Cultivation Elevated, hosted by Michael Williamson, where we discuss vertical farming and the future of cannabis and food production. You'll be learning key insights for vertical farming success from leading industry operators, growers, and executives. If you're a grower or owner looking to optimize your existing or new indoor cultivation facility, or anyone looking to cultivate more in less space, we've got you covered. Cultivation Elevated, sponsored by Pip Particulture. Hello and welcome to another episode of Cultivation Elevated, sponsored by Pip Horticulture. I'm your co-host, Michael Williamson, along with Anders Peterson, and we're here in Oakland, California at Oak Fruitland with co-founder Lindsay. Hi, you guys. Welcome. Thank, Thank you, you for welcome. having us. Yeah, this has been wonderful. So we get the pleasure of traveling all over the country and sometimes the world to see facilities, and it was a fresh breath of air to come into a facility in one of the hardest cities to grow in for multiple reasons, which I'm sure we'll talk about today but we were super impressed. Thank you. There's there's no way around it. It's clear that you guys are putting a lot of meticulous care to the processes and things are being thought out really well. And you can see your evolution from kind of where you guys started from and where you are today. Right. And that's really exciting. Yeah, I'm, I'm from the Bay Area too in the cannabis industry and your team definitely has a reputation for a strong work ethic, uh, really good canopy management. I mean, we saw it today, it was evidenced here with laser level canopies really good defoliation strategy and then just the fire to back it up i mean i've smoked the oak lotto the v power that's straight gas i mean it's good quality so it was wonderful to see an action today and seeing it in multi-level you guys making that transition which we hope to dive into a little bit on this today can you tell me a little bit about kind of your journey into this space and also you know what was the thought process behind creating this business and creating this brand so i started from helping my husband building up a legal facility because he got, I would say, busted in the year of 2017. And at the time, he was tired of doing traditional growth. And when Prop 64 was formed, I was helping him with getting the license. And one of his friends was applying license over here in Oakland was quite more smooth than the process back in LA where we lived. So we decided to move to NorCal to start this journey. And luckily we were be able to get the license at the time and secure a, a building like this. And it was just determined at that moment that we would this, if we are going to do going to the legal market and we're going to do it in the right way. So this is how we come so far. Yeah. I mean, at that time in 2016, 17, 18, Oakland was truly one of the first cities in California to say, okay, we're going to permit this. We're going to license, we're going to issue licenses. So some of the first cultivation licenses in California were here in Oakland, but it, that doesn't mean it was easy. It wasn't easy, but from what I see is you just follow the process and you have to be consistent and you have to remind yourself like where you, what is the purpose of do, doing this and then you eventually get there. It just takes some consistency to, to do that. And your background was, what were you doing previous to cannabis? So I was doing real estate and I help clients secure buildings and residential homes as well. And I, I appreciate that I had this experience dealing with, you know, real estate, secure uh, 
a lease agreement and I that's what that that's what my background and it also involves marketing and sales and that's how I can implement my ex experience to the the business the brand we have right now it's useful experience to translate into cannabis yeah and then you learn along the way because this is relatively new industry but I don't see it so different because it's come to the end it's just the product right We've all three of us have worked in Oakland and actually worked pretty close in this neighborhood. And this is one of the nicer buildings that I've seen in the area. Um, how many buildings did you look at and kind of how did you land on this particular site? So we were looking at several buildings, but at the time as a startup company, it's really hard to have people really think that you're serious about leasing the building. And my attorney introduced me to the landlord and, and immediately we think this is the right place. It wasn't really in a good shape, but we knew that we could do something really from the bottom and then the way we want it. So it was, I would say it was just really lucky that we got, we got this building early. And at the time that a lot of people are looking for smaller spaces and these kind of spaces are just overlooked by people and, and it requires a lot of funding to build a space like this but at the time we didn't really have the funding and we just kind of built in phases knowing that we could do something big like this because my husband's always been in growing in larger spaces and he knows how to manage the the labor and you know the how to grow in large scale so the, co the confidence was there right Right. Can you give us an idea of the scale? I mean, I think it's what about seventy thousand square feet. Yes, of it's space. about seventy thousand square feet with fifty thousand square feet of canopy space. But we started at twenty thousand square feet, and as we converted to vertical growing, that added a lot more uh, canopy space, and then we went up to fifty. So we have some license combined together. At the yep. At what, what year was the first phase and then when did you transition? What year was it when you transitioned to multi-tier? So um, we start building end of 2018 and that was all single tier uh, for our phase one, which contains four large grow rooms. Mm -hmm. And starting at I think in year of 2019, we start to build phase two. That's when the time we think, okay, we're doing so well because the market was great at the time. Maybe we should try to create a way to get more space to grow. And at the time, our first floor downstairs were empty. And we tried to talk to the landlord about, you know, taking the whole building, but it wasn't at the right timing. So that's why we decided, okay, why don't we just get creative? Let's just do like double tier. And then... At the time, it wasn't really a thing. You know, people are, are kind of scared. Like, you are doing good and you're making good money. Why would you want to try something new? And we just did it. We just converted to some of the largest room to the, vert the vertical bro. Mm -hmm. And we switched everything from HPS to LED. Yeah. And how did you hear about PIP? Like, where did that, how did that interaction come? We did some research. And one day, I was at a Nike store looking at the rack they were rolling in their inventory, taking out there. I'm like, that's Pip. No way. That's yeah. really That's awesome. That's, you're the first person on all these podcasts to 
identify and acknowledge that. Yeah. So PIP has been the leader, market leader in back of house retail storage. And so basically 70 plus percent of all the stores in a mall, Nike, Victoria's Secret, Apple, Macy's, when they say I need to go in the back and look for your size, there's a 70 plus percent chance that's on a PIP rack. Right. So if Nike chose them, then I mean, no doubt that that's they're true. good, right? If you, if you can keep uh, a company like Apple satisfied, you, yeah. you, you've, you've achieved some things. You right. know, some people are very demanding. But what was interesting for PIP is that back of house retail storage is very different than controlled environment agriculture where you have all this humidity and water and plants. So it was, it was though it was familiar, it was yeah. extremely different. And I think a lot of the other companies that worked in racking at the time and still do, they didn't at first really modify their equipment for cannabis. A lot of it was really overbuilt. It was due to, they were trying to, they were storing really heavy stuff. But the problem with a lot of those overbuilt racks is as a customer and user, you were paying for basically strength and materials that really weren't necessary for the application. So you were kind of overpaying for your system. Right. And PIP quickly realized that they knew a lot about certain things, but when it came to horticulture, especially cannabis, they really needed to bring in some strategic people. And we've been building a team of cultivation experts for about six years now. And we've been modifying our equipment and we try and keep a really close ear to our customers. And we want to hear the good stuff, the stuff that can be better. We like to find great operators like you who we can support with new trial stuff and, and work together to say, you know, how does this work in the operations? Because sometimes what's on paper or engineered doesn't always translate well to operations. Right. right. And you guys are getting really good yields, good airflow in your rooms. I think one of the larger rooms is... I mean, it's almost 10,000 square feet of canopy. It's, it's a big flower room, but it, it doesn't look like it's a 10,000 square foot room. I mean, it's, it's very dialed in. Everything is perfect and pristine. Not one thing out of place. You know, it's, it's an example of how these rooms should be run. It took several runs to get there, but it was, it was really, I would say, the right decision. The right decision at the beginning. And looking back at it, it was like, yeah, if... If we didn't make that decision, we might end up somewhere different, you know, like with the market being so fresh now and double tier really helps. In these high urban density environments where everything's very expensive, going vertical makes a lot of sense. There are times where if you're in the middle of nowhere and you have really cheap power, sure, horizontal expansion, single right. tier, great. But, you know, you get into a place like Oakland and you have to maximize every inch. Right, right, exactly. When you guys were looking at vendors, it sounds like your protocol is typically to get multiple comps, figure out who the market leaders are, and then I guess what does that decision-making kind of look like? Well, I believe in customer service. I feel like if, if the person can communicate well and be able to deliver what the customer is asking for, 100% that I will enjoy the experience. And I like to ask difficult questions at the beginning. And if they could fulfill, that means that that's a partner I'm looking for because I'm not building this just just for today. I, I knew that my operation could expand and if I could filter out the secondary vendors market and then stick with the, the leader or the one that I feel comfortable work with, 
you know, in the future that it saves me time, energy, money on in ongoing other projects, future projects. Yeah, people do business with people. Right, exactly. Right, you want a partner that will be there long-term for you. Yeah. C can I ask how you came up with the name Oak Fruitland? It was really random. Every time people ask me the question, I feel so embarrassed that I just wrote on a piece of paper, Oakland, okay. Cannabis is basically fruit. Let me just put the fruit in it because I need to, I need to come up with a name <laughs> at the time. <laughs> well, I mean, even on the wholesale market here in California now, it te seems to be the candy and the fruit flavors that dominate. And it's almost like, yeah, saw the future of phenol hunting and flavors and cannabis of fruity candy cannabis you know yeah it's my all... main goal is i wanted people to know that the flower is coming from oakland yeah you captured it's it a well strong brand oakland itself has a strong brand recognition for cannabis right. yeah cannabis brands these days either sound all the same or it's like a made-up word you mm -hmm. know because all the names have been trademarked so this is something that i think really you know tells a story without without having to tell and explain much mm -hmm. And you guys have some really cool branding for your different genetics too. I think we had mentioned V Power and, and Oak Lotto are two of the more popular genetics you guys have. Yeah, and now we have the Fortune Cookie is also the best seller on the market. Uh, looking at the data, and it's also my personal favorite. Uh, yes, we're constantly looking for new genetics to grow with, and I believe you know commercial cannabis should be affordable and. The quality has to keep on improve, right? And as a grower, you have to constantly learn, looking for new strategy, looking for new techniques to grow better wheat because it's not traditional anymore. And we have all the resource help from the vendors, and we should do better every year. One of the things that was clear when we were in here is that people are really focused on the tasks that they're doing, and the level of consistency operationally was about as tight as we've seen. Sometimes when we come into a grow room and we have cameras or something like that, people get really distracted. They stop working. They start to ask, oh, hey, who are you? What are you doing? Mm -hmm. Where all the workers, I mean, they were on task, didn't really pay much attention to us at all, and were focused on the job that they're doing. So it's clear that the culture and the the expectations here are, are strong. Yes, and I, I believe part of the reason one is that they see the owner it's also the grower over here and then he works really hard almost seven days a week and he even he get back home late and he's always research for new product new new technology new nutrients and trying to figure out what's going on with this batch what what we could do better so it's i think people see that if the owner it's it's working so hard you there's no excuse for you to not work hard it's kind of like that mindset of if he's taking the trash out and he's the owner of the company, then, you know, why uh, he's not good enough, too good for any job, right? I mean, everyone's pitching in yeah. towards and the we, end goal. And then we also believe in paying people better than yeah. any, and then have a stable group of staff that works for us from the beginning. And Trust. Yes. And then I also hire, I, I hire less people, but I make sure that everyone I hire are, you know, are the potential staff that will stick with me from the beginning to the end. Yeah, we, we, we were talking to your operations team and your employees per square foot is really lean compared to a lot of operations. Uh, I think it was one employee per 
850, 850 square feet, square feet so, canopy, which is, which is good. really good. That's a lean staff that brings your cost of production down. Uh, and it means that every one of your staff members here is hardworking and, and can handle quite a bit of canopy on their own. So yeah, it's, it's, that's another impressive stat. That seems to be the area where new operators really struggle and they don't realize like how much labor contributes to their cost of goods sold. And you know, if the, if it's a new state or an emerging state and the pound price on the wholesale market is high, the rationale a lot of times, which I think is very unhealthy is, you know, there's plenty of margin here. We'll lean up in time and get our costs of goods sold down. Right. But if you get your cost of goods sold lean from day one, you're maximizing all that profitability. And when that state does go through rough waters and consolidation, you're not struggling to get down because you're already there. Right. Yeah. Right. Which yeah. you, you see that here. Yeah. Like you're 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 here and you're weathering a storm right now in Oakland or in California in general. A lot of people are giving up right now. We saw a lot of people not renew licenses this past year. But you guys actually have quite a success story. You're maximizing your existing space and you're actually looking at expansion. Yeah. I think that's important for people that are California operators or have ideas about what the California market is like. There are success stories going on right now, but you have to have your ducks in a row and really have a good true North Star, which I feel like you, you guys have really yes. figured out here. Yeah. I mean, what do you contribute to that you guys are advancing while other people are saying, I can't do this anymore? Well, we dropped our price tremendously and I don't really feel bad about it. I don't really, you know, complain because this is how demand and supply is. If there's an oversupply, that means that there are a lot of people are doing the same thing that you're doing and you just have to take a step back and then willing to sac sac sacrifice for some margin to be able to stay in this game. And I think we find out that, that that's not a secret. It's just, we, we realized that early and we're willing to do that. And I've always been telling my team, if we're still in business and we're still getting orders, that means we're doing the right thing. And we just need to, you know, keep your head down and then keep up with the good work. And eventually people will realize that this is a good brand to stick with because we're not sacrificing the the quality, but we are re reduce our margin to get the product into people's hands. And one day I hope that, you know, how work comes to be paid off. Yeah. Yeah. It's fire at a fair price. Right. Right. You know, and when people find that a, a quality brand at a fair price, they're going to keep coming back to it. Right. It provokes loyalty, yeah, which is it, really hard to get in the cannabis space because everyone's chasing flavors and new experiences from a genetic standpoint. You guys are working with roughly 40 or 50 different genetics, and then your core foundational genetics is around 16 or 18. Is that about right? Yes. Yes. Not a lot, but we're constantly looking for new genetics. We work with breeders to get new genetics and test it out. And we test with our buyers and then find the right one. And we are definitely not that type of hype brand that comes with like new flavors, like all the time. Yeah, all the time, yeah. but we keep it stable and make sure that, you know, it's the one that the market actually want, wanted. Sure. But we're not targeting a niche market. We're targeting uh, everyday smokers that, you know, wanted to have, wanted to smoke high quality cannabis. How do you decide out of, let's say, 40 or 50 of stuff that you're working with, like what makes it into consistent production? What are some of the things? It sounds like it's a lot of it's retail dictated and not grower dictated, but can mm -hmm. you give any insights on kind of 
how do you make that selection of what makes it into production? Yeah, we it's it's just we hand it out to the buyers, we hand it out to the staff and let them try and then we consolidate their comments and see if there's something and we put put out to the market. The market will give you immediate response and then you will know that if there's something they, they want it. But what if what happens when your husband and business partner says the retail likes it, but it doesn't grow well in the grow room. It doesn't he will never well. say that. He will always try to find a way. If if the nice. retail likes That's it, that's a great he, answer. He'll always find a way to grow better. That's a great answer. It does seem like some of the most beautiful plants that are highly desirable are a bit finicky or need right. a, need a little extra attention. Yeah. Um, and a lot of growers will just say this doesn't work in my system, and they'll discard it and keep kind of sifting. But it sounds like you guys are willing to manipulate needs based off of whatever the plant needs are. He's saying if, if the customers want it, I'll figure out how to grow it exactly. to its potential. Yeah, That's and awesome. it's going to be fun that if, if, if it could grow something that other people find hard to grow, then you're, you're, you're winning. It's like yeah. a challenge that you right. want us to accept. That's so cool. Right. Well, well, what's next with Oak Fruitland? What are you looking forward to in the future? What's kind of like your long-term plan here? Well, we like Oakland. We wanted to stay here, but I feel like there is a potential larger market in the SoCal and that we didn't really reach out yet. We we do have some shops and some account, really good accounts in SoCal, but the distance that traveling between NorCal and SoCal is kind of tough. Yeah, yeah. And then we're at this moment just looking for a new project. And after all the trial that we've done in this current facility that we already know, to build a perfect commercial grow. So the next step would be a new facility, a new, I would say a, a larger headquarter in SoCal and that's what we're working on. Where can people find your products? Well, we are in 120 something dispensaries. We also started our D2C we're slowly looking to go into retail business where we have a new license application submitted in the city of San Francisco. So we're wow, going to be nice. in the Mission District and that, that'll be a hub, Oakland hub for people that like our brand and, and enjoy the quality of the flower and the low price. And then I will assure that, you know, you, even you're going to the city doesn't mean the weed is expensive over there. It's always going to be the right, the, the freshest stuff and yeah. the lowest uh, well, you got to have some storefront here in Oakland with the name being Oak Fruitland. Maybe one day. Yes, maybe one day. I've been looking for it, but, you know, it, it's it, it, it's it's ongoing project. Yeah, yeah, sure. It's tough to get open. As a female leader and owner in this space, what would be like any messaging of encouragement that you would have for other females who are either in the space and looking to advance or females that are really want to get in this space? Well, I don't, I don't see any difference. Maybe people will have some kind of stereotype that, you know, you, it's, it's definitely like a majority male in this industry, but it just work hard and add some, you know, female touch into it, like design, like sales, like marketing, like communication, HR, that's all girls over here doing the, the, mm -hmm. the back end stuff. And it's it's not hard. You just need to really find your way to do that. Yeah, and I I think we're we're lucky enough that you know we're we're well protected by the growers, the 
you know, out there and then being in this market early enough to realize a lot of stuff. So it's, it, it, it's been really helpful. Well, it's, it's also cool to see a husband and a wife team working so closely together for so long. Can you speak to that a little bit? How is it working with your husband every day? <laughs> <laughs> well, we, we fight a lot, of course, but when it comes to the end, we understand that it's all for, you know, to just to get the job done. And you just ha have to find your way to communicate to each other, tell each other, like, how you really feel about it. And then don't let the emotions fix out, you know, just really try to work with the fact that what you really are looking to achieve. Well, I'm sure there's a lot of passion, right, between for both of you towards this business. And so sometimes it's hard to keep that contained, maybe. Yes. His passion is growing. My passion is looking at the numbers, looking at, you know, the how the operation is growing. That's, that's it's not about the, the dollar sign. It's, it's all about, you know, being in this age, mid-30s, to achieve something that, you know, you've been, always been looking for. And then we have this opportunity in this new industry. We should always cherish that. Well, yeah. It's incredible. What would be something that if you could have wave a magic wand that you would go back and just totally do differently? I would say start the branding a little bit sooner because when, when we first started, we were uh, white labeling for um, a brand and that kind of just, we kind of missed the best the period of time of the market. You were building up someone else's brand when you could have been building up your own brand. Yeah, which it, which I think it's good. It's a, a learning curve that you have to see how, you know, a brand is operating in order to operate your brand. But yeah, if we, we could start a little bit earlier, then we we would kind of enter the market at the, at the toughest time, which is like uh, the end of 2021. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's not cheap to build a brand either. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But we built the, I, I know every customer i know what kind of product they want i i know how we opened up the account i know all the backstory about the account that's what matters nice. yeah that's cool it's nice to see owners not only that are, are that are related but also are are connected to their business you guys are here so a lot of times owners that are failing they're they're so disconnected they have an office somewhere maybe in the city they're not here they're not boots on the ground the team doesn't see them they lose respect. They don't have good morale, good culture. And you guys are here, you're present, boots on the ground. How important is that to the success of this business? I think that's the most important thing. It's that my staff see me in the office and always be holding meetings, looking to support each other. I feel like that really helped them to grow, to connect with the brand, connect with the company and wanting to do better because Whatever they do in this office are realized by the owner that you are contributing, and I see that. Yeah. Well, I know on behalf of Pip Horticulture, we are super excited about everything we saw today. We're super excited to support you guys in the future. Um, you know, we have some new tools that we've been developing that, you know, we're looking for strategic people that are good operators just like yourself to kind of help us collaborate and dial these things in and have a feedback loop so that we can create better products and stronger products for growers. So we're really thank grateful you. for the relationship and look forward to more more collaborative yeah. efforts. Yeah, thank you. You guys are being so helpful. I remember at the time when we were just starting ordering the first batch of the, the and then 
we didn't even understand how to read. I think it was a design. Yeah, it was it was on my a staff that didn't really was in this mm. wasn't from this industry. Okay. And we called the salesperson. The salesperson actually flew from somewhere else to kind of lay out the plans and explain all the components. That left me impression that this is a company I want to stick with yeah. because they didn't judge what kind of op operation we have because at the time we we're just building. It was. It was like warehouse full full of dust. Yeah. Yeah. We're big advocates for don't judge a book by its cover. Sometimes you'll go on the outside and you look at a building and you're like, oh, who knows what's going to happen in here? And then you open the door and all of a sudden it's sparkling clean and tight. And so, especially in Oakland, a lot of the buildings sometimes from the outside can be pretty rough looking. And when you open the door, it's like going into a, like a portal into somewhere else. Yeah. Oakland has a lot of great operators in here. You guys will be amazed to find there are a ton of like top brands in the California operating in California, in Oakland. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we want to tell you to keep pushing the bar high because as we travel around the country and the world, people look at California as the apex and pinnacle of quality. Like when they think of what connoisseur cannabis is, they're looking at California. And so therefore they're looking at you. So as you keep elevating, it's, you might not even know these people, they're strangers to you, but they're watching and they're learning and they're trying to mimic. Yeah. Um, and so the more good operators we have that are transparently operating and setting high bars and standards and proving um, that you can grow high quality at scale, that you can grow great quality on multi-tier, it opens up people's ideas to what's possible. And if it wasn't for people like you pushing the envelope and setting such a good example, there may be more resistance in the vertical farming space. Absolutely. Oak Fruland is setting an example for quality in a multi-tier vertical cannabis farm. You know, it's it's setting the bar high for everyone else entering the space in one of the hardest markets in the state if not the country so yeah, yeah in the big leagues well we hope to come visit you again and um, thank you for your time today thank you guys yeah thank, thank you. you it was a great interview appreciate it thanks for listening to cultivation elevated full show notes for each episode which includes a summary key takeaways quotes and any resources mentioned are available at pip forward slash podcast be sure to follow and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you're enjoying the content and getting value from these episodes, please leave us a rating and a review at ratethispodcast.com forward slash cultivation elevated. We'll be sure to read these out on future episodes.